The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Kem. He is the CEO of Marketocracy. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thanks for having me, Jordan. It's great to be here. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and uh, what you did before you created a Marketocracy. Well, before Marketocracy, I started a mutual fund firm called First Hand Funds. And in the late 90s, we ran the top performing mutual fund in the country. And that's where we ran, where I personally ran into the problem that I think bedevils most successful fund managers, and it's that everybody wants to put money into your fund after the five years of great performance, and it's exactly at the same point at which you feel that your stocks have already had their run, and you're just destined to disappoint all the people that are putting money into the fund now. So that's what happened with First Hand. You had some very hot funds. A lot of money came in, and then you disappointed? Well, we averaged 56% a year for five years in the late 90s. And in the last year, we went from about a billion dollars in assets to about $8 billion. And it's like I said, everybody wants to put money into the best-performing fund over the last five years because they think that the five-year track record guarantees that it's not a fluke and that that performance can continue. But I, I can almost say with just as much certainty that there isn't anything that can go 56% a year for five years and be just as good an investment at the end of the five years as it was at the beginning. So yes, if you don't do anything to change your strategy after five years of good performance, you're pretty likely to disappoint anybody that's going to put money in at that point. So then what happened at, with, with first hand at that point? Well, I had no idea how close we were to the end of the tech boom, but this is late 99. In 2000, we started Marketocracy, and I left, I left first-hand funds and started Marketocracy. Uh, of course, you know the market peaked in March of 2000, and then we had the first 50% crash of the last decade. Um, first-hand funds, their entire analytical team only really knew how to analyze tech stocks. So the last person who's ever going to tell you to get out of tech stocks is the manager of a tech fund. And if they don't have anywhere to go, then they have to go down with the ship. And that is what happened at first-hand funds. In fact, they did what most firms would do. They stuck to their knitting. They stuck to what they did best. But when, when your best ideas aren't the place to be, they're not likely to advise you to get out. And they're, they're not likely to have the talent in place to be able to do anything to protect the shareholders. So your timing was good in getting out at just the right time, even though you didn't know it at the time. <laughs> yes, uh, in hindsight, it was perfect timing, uh, but it wasn't really motivated by a sense that the bubble was going to burst. It was really motivated by, this, by the idea that 
if you want to do a good job for the people who are putting in money, you have to be able to do more than one thing well. You can't just stay in one sector or one investment style uh, because there is no sector and no investment style that works all the time. And just at the point where it gets the best five-year track record is about the time where you want to start thinking about replacing or removing them because their stocks have already had a good run. So then uh, tell me about the process of starting Marketocracy and uh, you know, what, what, why you thought that was needed at that time. Well, when you're running a mutual fund firm and you have a lot of assets coming in, the first instinct that you have is to go out and hire more talent to, put, to help you put the money to work. And as I was going out to recruit people, you know, I did what everybody else does in the industry. I went to the top business schools. I read hundreds of resumes. I hired headhunters and conducted thousands of interviews. And I can't for the life of me tell you how to identify a skilled investor by reading their resume or interviewing them or by looking at what business schools they went to. I think all of those things are indicators, but they're not evidence of investment skill. And I could not stomach the idea that, you know, if you hire someone right out of business school before they have a track record or any work experience, that you're really letting them learn how to be an investor with your client's money. And I don't know which clients would stand up and volunteer their account to be the training account, but I didn't think any of my clients would, would do that. So I didn't want to hire anybody who hadn't already proven themselves. And that's where the idea for marketocracy arose. It's a simple idea. It, the idea is that people should have to prove themselves before they're allowed to manage other people's money. And so we set this whole thing up 10, 11 years ago with the idea that the best evidence of investment skill is track records, not any of the other things that, that are normally passes for evidence, but a track record. And we knew it would take a long time to find the right people, but I don't really see any other way to do it. I don't think there are any shortcuts. And at this point, we're at the end of the road here, and we've, we've discovered some really great investors to put to work for people. So tell us the methodology. Uh, when people join Marketocracy wanting to become one of your investment advisors, how do you, uh, you know, tell us how the game is played a little bit. Well, the first thing I tell people is if you want to work for me, don't try to, you know, call my dad and figure out how you can get an interview. You have to go to the website, set up a model portfolio, and we do it with model portfolios because I don't want to give you any client money to invest in until after you have a track record. But the model portfolio is a very accurate depiction of what it would be like to work at marketocracy, where you have to make trades. That, that cross in the real stock market and that are limited, you know, where volume is limited by what people are really willing to buy and sell the stock for. So you manage a model portfolio and it's, it's for the members very much like you're managing an E-Trade account. You enter all your orders in and you can, you get, you are, your orders are considered filled only if after you place the order, there's sufficient volume in the real market to fill your order. And there has to be like four or five times more volume because you can't account for 100% of the volume in your name. And then after that, it's simply a matter of figuring out which of your investment decisions 
worked out and how well they worked out because that ultimately becomes your track record. I think it takes, in fact, now I tell people, before I'll even interview you, I want to see that you have a three-year track record outperforming the market, the S&P 500, by 10% a year for three years. Because if you can do that, that places you three standard deviations away from the mean. You're in like, you know, the point, the top 0.3% of all money managers. Yes, it's possible that you could have done it by luck, but it's not likely. And those are the people I find that are worthwhile interviewing. And after you've done it for three years, I'll call you, we'll interview you. I'm going to ask you how you did it. And I'm going to make you define for me what your investment style is. And then we're going to watch you for two more years. And only after you've done it for a total of five years, and in the last two years, doing it the way that you told me you were going to do it after the third year, do we give you the master's contract, which uh, leads you to be part of our team. How many people have master's contracts at this point? At the moment, I've given out 16 uh, contracts, and there have been over 100,000 people who have started with Marketocracy. Uh, there is another level of contract. After the first three years, uh, I give out what I call the M100 contract. And so that's the first level recognition our members will see that, that we think highly of them. And I've given out 500 of those. But so far, only 16 masters. But we're still going through it. And every year, you know, there's a new crop of people whose track records turn five that are eligible or for me to look through uh, as potential masters. How much money are you managing in total at this point? Well, we just started putting this together. So we're, we have a mutual fund, and we have separately managed accounts in total. Uh, we have $30 million so far under management. But uh, as word gets out that for the first time you can have people with proven track records manage your money, we're getting flooded with calls because I think uh, too many people you know, really don't, I think too many people really don't know very much about the people managing their money. And if you're going to pay for active management, then what you're really paying for is the track record of the person who's actually making the calls. And if you don't know what that is, then you're overpaying for money management. And if you don't get good results, then you really can't blame the money manager. Tell us about the two different accounts. What are the minimums and so on for the separately managed accounts and uh, the mutual fund? Well, for the separately managed accounts, that's where I only use masters. So we have two teams. So with 16 people, you can start to build strategies that are more appropriate for individual investors. So I think there are two real extremes that illustrate this point. The first is what I call the SWAN team. It stands for sleep well at night. And it's designed for clients who call me and tell me that they really don't understand why mutual funds stay 100% invested through crashes. You know, that they really can't afford to be in a strategy that will keep them 100% invested through the next crash. Well, if you want people who can manage your account so that you aren't 100% invested in a crash, then you need to find the people who have a good track record of knowing when to get out of the market. And that's who's on the SWAN team. And we've been running that team for the last five years. You can only get this as a managed account, but 
over the last three years, the SWAN team has averaged about 15% a year uh, with, about, with a maximum drawdown that's about half what the market's maximum drawdown is over that same time period. And because it's an SMA account, we, we have a $100,000 minimum for that. Now, the other extreme is people who have a lot, either a much larger portfolio or who are, have a much longer time horizon, who really can't afford to take full market risk. And for those people, the team you want to give them is a group of people who have a great track record with, of getting the absolute best return out of the market but with the same level of volatility or maximum drawdown as the market. I call that the ART team. It stands for Absolute Return Team. And over the last three years, they have done better than the SWAN team. They've averaged 18% a year, but they have been more volatile. Their maximum drawdown is about the same as the market's, which is about 50%. So if you can accept that kind of volatility, uh, and you have a long enough time horizon, then I would suggest you look at the art team. And if you can't, then I'd suggest we talk about the SWAN team. Now, okay, the mutual actually, fund- we, we have to go to our break, Ken. So I'm going to come oh, back. We'll talk ahead. about the mutual fund after that. Uh, this sure. is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Ken Cam, who is the CEO of Marketocracy.com. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Cam. He is the CEO of Marketocracy, uh, and his website is marketocracy.com. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Thanks, Jordan. We're going to talk about your mutual fund a little bit uh, and tell us the origin of that and, and what the strategy is behind the mutual fund using your system. Well, 10 years ago, we started a mutual fund to put into place a strategy called, we call the Masters 100 strategy. The idea was that while when we started it, while we didn't have five-year track records on people, that we, if we set our standards high enough, we could, we could possibly find 100 people who were of above average skill and that that would be a way to outperform the market, which basically represents the returns of the average investor. And over the past 10 years, it has uh, outperformed the market, but not by as large a margin as we would like. And until recently, um, in the last year, we've greatly outperformed the market. And I think it's simply because we're doing a much better job of finding and vetting skill before we put them in place on teams. And then also, I think just as importantly, knowing when to take somebody off the team. And I've been, uh, I, I have a great job now. I, I, I don't think that uh, there's any single style or person that we, ha- that we have to stick with no matter what. I have a big enough bench of talent such that at any given time, I can find people who are performing. And I have engaged some consultants to help me pour through the data to make sure that the people running the Masters 100 Fund are a diversified group of people with long-term track records who are performing today. And that as soon as they stop performing, we release them and drop them and replace them with other people from the bench. So it's become, it's finally, I think, come to fruition based on the talent bench that we have found. And you'll see our, in our performance track record, you know, it's been volatile over the past 10 years, but in the past year and a half, it's been pretty good. And what kind of returns? That is just two thousand or ten thousand dollars. What kind of returns have you had in the last year or so? Well, we're up about eighteen, twenty percent in the last year. Okay. And if people want to find out more about the mutual fund, uh, they go to marketocracy.com. Is there a, a phone yeah. number as well? Yes, uh, at marketocracy.com, I would click through to the links on the on the site to marketocracy capital management, where you'll find information about the mutual fund, and also about the separately managed account teams, both Swan and Art. So when you have this mutual fund, do you have uh, a whole bunch of people operating a small amount of it? I mean, do you have the thing split up into 100 different accounts, or how does that work? Well, of the people that have the M100 contract, uh, I choose 25 of them each month, and they drive half of that portfolio now. And for the other half of the portfolio, I choose the best five of the 16 masters. And that strategy means that, you know, we make bigger bets on the people that have, that we have longer term track records for, that we have vetted more thoroughly. We make smaller bets on the people who just have the M100 contract. But some of those people are, uh, are exceptionally good as well. But because we make smaller bets, we choose more of them so that we end up with a more diversified portfolio. So roughly how many stocks in the whole portfolio of the uh, mutual fund? About 300 right now. I see. So it's uh, quite diversified because you've got all these different people with completely different strategies. 
Yes, and you know the the bottom line though is performance, and I think for many clients that is the bottom line. Uh, so no matter what you're investing in, if you can perform, then you get to stay, and if you don't perform, then there's a certain amount of latitude that I'm willing to accept, but it's a small amount of latitude because I have so many other great play, people on the bench that I can replace you with. Done all this testing, you say like 100,000 people have been through the marketocracy system. What is the common uh, theme between the people who make it through this very rigorous program to, to be your masters? I think the, the biggest common theme is that it takes passion. Um, in, in other words, if you think of this as a job or something you do after, after your job, uh, then it's not a passion. It's just added work that you have to do before you get to do what you really find, what you really enjoy. If this is not something you enjoy doing, then you'll never put enough time in it to be really great at it. Uh, now, having said that, there are a number of different paths to success. So, you know, we have found great value investors in the Warren Buffett tradition. There are also great momentum investors. Um, there are great technical analysts. And since we all measure performance the same way, I feel like I'm pretty agnostic about how you do it or what you're passionate about, but I really want to understand that and see the evidence of your skill before we give you any of these contracts and put you in on any of the teams and expose you to, to clients. How does the way you pick money managers for both the separate accounts and the mutual fund contrast with the way most money management firms and mutual fund companies pick their money managers? Well, I think the biggest contrast is that I have data, whereas before I had this data, you know, I think I did what everybody else does. You know, you go to the top business schools and you assume that because they're in a top business school that, that, that they're in, like, uh, that they have some investment skill. But, you know, I don't think that that proves out well over time and, you know, I'm not willing to let them train with client money. Um, and I think that there's a lot of errors. You make a lot of mistakes when you're hiring investment talent based purely on interviews and resumes. I think when you have the data, the thing that you most want to look at are the returns and how they were delivered, and that's what I do. I first want to see a big return uh, because at the bottom line, that's what makes a difference for clients. So if you haven't been able to deliver a good return in the past, there's no reason to believe that you're going to be able to do it going forward. So I think you go back to the training bench where you do it on model portfolios and not client money. Now, if you did perform well, then I want to know how you did it, because I think that tells me which kind of clients I can use you for. And I think there's basically two metrics that are of most importance. One, I want to know, are you a good stock picker? So if you picked 100 stocks and you made 85 or you made money on 85% of them, I'd say you pick your stocks well. And I find that characteristic among the value investors. Um, the second thing you need to do well is be able to trade stocks. So even if you don't pick the right stocks, if you trade out of the losers while the losses are small, but you let the winners run, then uh, you can still get a great return. And so I look at something called the average gain to average loss. And for most of the masters, that number is above two, which means that when they're right about a stock, they make twice as much money as they lose when they're wrong. 
Um, and then, uh, so they make their money by trading. Now, some very few people are good at both. But I think the whole process of learning to become a good investor is one, putting the time and the discipline and the, developing the passion to do this long enough to identify what you're good at, whether it's stock picking or trading and in what sectors and what styles of investing. Have you found you've had somebody who had a great track record on the model portfolio, but when it actually put real money in it, it changed things? You know, I was afraid of that going into this. So we have gone to great lengths to basically make sure that nothing very much, nothing changes for the masters once we sign them up. They only ever manage a model portfolio. So, you know, once we give them the contract, the only thing that changes for them is that uh, they'll start to get paid based on assets that we put into their model portfolios. But I never asked them to make presentations to the public. I never asked them to write research reports. I only want them to continue to do exactly what they did in the past that created the track record that made me want to use them. And anything else that I ask them to do is basically taking time away from them doing that. So I try to minimize that. Now, in practice, I find that this is very liberating. I think, number one, it's uh, not that many people who are great investors. But if you layer on top of that, that you also want the great investor to be good at dealing with lawyers and marketing people and clients, then you quickly find there aren't that many people left. So we've organized ourselves to be able to allow the masters to do what they do best, which is pick and trade stocks. And our management company, Marketocracy Capital Management, is responsible for everything else. That's worked well then, you're saying, yeah. Um, so uh, in, in each case, they're following what they've been doing all the way along, and it, the, the reality is they're not actually doing the trades. You're, they're telling you what trades to do, but you, you implement them as part of the That's portfolio. That's right. We're a, we're a registered investment advisor with the SEC. We deal with clients. We implement the trades. And on average, when you look at the model portfolios that we show on Marketocracy's site, our actual clients are getting to within about 50 basis points or a half a percent a year of those returns. What kind of management fees are there for both separate accounts and the mutual funds? Well, for the separately managed accounts, we charge 1.5% a year. And, you know, when I say that our clients get to within a half a, base, uh, half a percent of the model returns, that's after all expenses. Uh, for the mutual fund, the total expenses are 1.95% a year. And again, those return, any returns you see are going to be after all fees. Very good. Okay. All right, we're going to go to a break, uh, and we're going to find out more about some of the individual masters uh, and how they got there and their different styles. I'm speaking uh, with Ken Cam. Uh, he is the CEO of Marketocracy. Uh, his website is marketocracy.com, and we're speaking about his way of finding really good investment talent. We'll be back after this.
the market's up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Cam. He is the CEO of Marketocracy, uh, which is a system of finding the best money managers. And then Ken has a, both a separately managed account and a mutual fund account. Uh, to allow people to invest in that. Uh, welcome back to the show, Ken. Thanks. Thanks. We're going to get into, you, you have what you call the market masters, the people who've kind of gone through all these screens. And I want to get a sense of some of the different market masters you have within different kind of categories. And one category is value. Uh, and then you have various people who are buying stocks they see as incredible values, kind of in the Warren Buffett style. So why don't you talk well, briefly about some of those people and how they do it. Two of the masters fit that category. Um, I'll tell you about Timothy Siegel, uh, who I put in that category. He's uh, got a seven-year track record with us with an average annual return of 25.5% a year, and S&P 500 over the same time is only average five. So he's done exceptionally well. Now, what's interesting about Tim is he's a, uh, a patent lawyer by trade, and what he tells me is there's all kinds of assets that companies have that don't accurately get reflected on uh, the company's books, and intellectual property being one of them. So oftentimes when you see a company that has very valuable patents on the books, it gets represented as just the cost of obtaining the patent, which can be very different from the value of the patent. 
so he makes it his business to go and find companies that have undervalued assets. He's very good at it, as seen by his by his track record. Um, and we can talk about his in, an individual pick that he's made, where I think that demonstrates. Okay, that would be good. Well. Yes, what would be an individual pick that would show that? Well, I think maybe the best one that he has that shows that is uh, Berry Petroleum. The symbol is uh, BRY. This is a company in uh, California that basically takes, has a process for taking natural gas to inject and use it to extract oil out of fields that have been formerly considered exhausted. So if you've looked at the prices of natural gas versus oil on a BTU basis, oil is much more expensive than natural gas at this point. So the comp- this company is basically arbitraging that by buying natural gas at very cheap prices and putting it to work in these fields that are have been long considered played out to get more oil out of them that is priced very highly. Um, now, the uh, technology for doing that is uh, valuable. It, I mean, imagine if you had an oil field that was considered uh, exhausted when oil is at $50 a barrel. Right? But if oil goes to $100 a barrel, well, now suddenly you'd be willing to spend a lot more money to extract oil out of that. And so your, your field, which you used to think was exhausted, is now not exhausted anymore. Um, it's looking for opportunities like that. So these kind of plays are, it, it doesn't matter what uh, the rest of the market is doing uh, or what interest rates are. Uh, this is a basic fundamental play on a, on a technology to create a product that the world values highly by using a product that the world values cheaply right now. What happened to the stock when you got into it and how was it done in that particular case? Well, this has been one of his biggest winners. Uh, he got into it several years ago. In fact, it was, uh, he got into it after the 2008 financial crisis. So there was a period where uh, people thought the world was going to go into recession, if not depression. And the price of oil came down from $115 a barrel down to, I think it got down as low as maybe 40 And so the economics for this business kind of fell apart. But that's when Tim bought this company. Right? And since then, you know what's happened to the price of oil. And, the, and Barry Petroleum has benefited from that. He's been right on this on all counts. And until right now, it's looking like the world is once again beginning to worry that that economic growth may slow and the price of oil has fallen, that's only been in the last week. But in the great, in the grand scheme of things, I think he sees, and I kind of agree with him, that you know, the world's demand for energy is going to increase at a faster rate than the world's ability to supply it is increasing. And that means that over the longer term, within our investment horizon, the price of oil will rise. And the thing that drives this investment is the differential between the price of oil and the price of natural gas. Okay. What, are, what are, Another one that you have in your value uh, category. Well, I would put Randy McDuff, uh, also a deep value player. I've got an 11-year track record with him. He's got about an average annual return of 19, a little over 19%. Uh, you know, uh, his biggest holding right now is MasterCard, 
is the credit card company. And he bought it at the IPO when it IPO'd at about $44 a share. It's trading well over $200 it's now. Uh, it had traded as high as, as over 300 at some points uh, before the crash. Randy's in the true Warren Buffett tradition looking for stocks that he would potentially never sell. And MasterCard is one of them. And when I talk to him about why, it's because he sees that the world is increasingly going to a cashless uh, environment, and there really isn't there really isn't going to be another uh, credit card processing company that can get to the same scale as MasterCard or Visa. So as the world, as more of the world, and by that I mean Europe and uh, India and China move to a credit card or cashless society. That spells tremendous opportunity for MasterCard and Visa uh, because it's basically a duopoly. Uh -huh. So his, uh, he's not using patents in this case. He's using wide moats, as they would call them. As, as the... Yes, other people would call it a wide moat, but it's basically a business model that requires lots of scale in order to get down to the cost, to get the cost efficiencies out. And uh, he told me that uh, about five years ago, Europe had considered uh, setting up a, an alternative to MasterCard or Visa. And even Europe, you know, all, all the countries of Europe put together cannot match the scale that MasterCard and Visa already have. Yeah. Okay. Um, so value is one of your styles. Another one you said is you have a, a biotech expert. Who is that, and, and what is their style? Well, um, the biotech expert, his name is Jack Whalen, and you wouldn't know that by looking at his uh, resume. You'd have to look at his uh, at his holdings to see this uh, and his track record. He's uh, he's got a nine-year track record with us. His average annual return is over 36% a year for nine years and the way he does it you know he waits for companies to basically blow up so you know when a uh, in the process of bringing a new drug to market you go through three tr phases of clinical trials and at any point in time during those trials if any of the results are bad the company wall street doesn't doesn't ask many questions so if your clinical trials don't go well Wall Street will sell you off. And it's in those sell-offs that he finds opportunity. Because oftentimes, the sell-offs aren't really justified for longer-term or intermediate-term investors, uh, particularly the companies that have underlying technology that may be applicable to other drugs that are coming off patent. So he's been exceptionally good at finding the companies uh, that have technology that can be valuable and buying them at the point where their first or leading drug candidate has missed some kind of milestone and Wall Street has already sold it off. In fact, uh, his biggest biotech holding right now is Vivus Inc., the symbol VVUS. And that is a perfect example because uh, this company has is leading drug candidate is a weight loss product. And uh, about a year ago, the FDA basically put all three of the leading weight loss drug candidates, uh, gave, gave them all setbacks. And of the three companies, Vivas so far, I think, is the only one that has identified a clear path to get through 
the new hurdles that the FDA has put in their way. But uh, and if you buy it after the after Wall Street thinks it's not worth anything, then you kind of aren't making taking that much risk. If you pick the company that really does come back to market, then you're talking about home runs. And and when I look at his track record, you know, he's done this at least once a year for the last nine years, and he has a very high. I call it batting average, where uh, of the stocks he's picked, about 80% of them have made money. Uh, what are some other examples of some other ones he picked up when they were uh, momentarily depressed like that? Well, uh, um, another recent one is Amarin Pharmaceuticals. Uh, symbol is AMRN. He bought that several years ago when they had a bad clinical trial outcome, and just recently uh, they're their latest clinical trials have been great. And so the stock's up more than 100%, I think, this year. Uh, prior to that, you know, he's bought uh, DepoMed uh, a year ago. Um, they, he bought it after their drug candidate missed the clinical trial endpoint, so the FDA delayed their approval for their drug. But he bought it because they had an underlying drug delivery technology that other companies have since licensed. And so... You know, once again, if you buy the stock after a bad clinical outcome, you can often pick up all the technology and everything else in their pipeline for basically free. And very few investors will take the time to dig into that pipeline or the technology to understand what value is there. And that's what he does exceptionally well. So, I mean, this is not something the average person could really do because they're not going to have the kind of scientific background he's going to have to know what is and isn't going to pass the FDA ultimately. Well, I don't think you need to have a scientific background. In fact, Jack does not have a scientific background. What he is is a prodigious reader. So, and you have to have an open mind, and you have to be willing to make a test of yourself to ask the right people the, the important questions, right? So if you're going to make an investment that's going to be 25% of your portfolio, I mean, he's, I've seen him. He, he's called the CEO and the CFOs and the, the chief research officers. And a while ago, when he was investing in a company that made uh, multiple sclerosis drug, uh, he actually went and frequented the boards of that multiple sclerosis patients frequent and, you know, where they talk about the drug alternatives open to them. And just to get a sense for how how likely is it that this new drug uh, would find a ready market? So it's going to get fundamental data, willing to do it on your own, uh, asking the right questions of the right people. If you're waiting for the story to come across you know, your internet news feed that, that explains the whole thesis to you, then it's already too late to buy the stock. You've got to be the one to piece these, put these pieces together to create the story then you're able to buy it before the market sees it. Very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Ken Cam. Uh, he is the CEO of Marketocracy, uh, which, as you can see, is a company that finds the best money managers and then uh, gives people their money to uh, invest either through separately managed accounts uh, or through a mutual fund. Uh, we'll be back with more on how he picks his fund managers and the kind of successes they've had after this.
market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business channel it's all arizona all over the world if you're a local arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world have we got a show for you the first internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is the coach's corner with scott lovely tune in to talk about your favorite teams players or coaches it's 100 percent arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more tune in mondays at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman. You're my guest uh, this hour is Ken Cam. Uh, he is the CEO of Marketocracy. Uh, his website is marketocracy.com. And the phone number to find out more about what he does is 877-462-4180. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Thanks, Jordan. We talked about the value players. We talked about the biotech player. Uh, you also have some technical uh, analysts there. How, wh- who are your technical uh, masters, and how do they pick stocks? Well, funny you mentioned that. Before I started Marketocracy, I kind of put technical analysis somewhat up there in the same category as astrology. And I, I'd never met a technical analyst, analyst with a great track record. But since I'm an agnostic now about investment styles, turns out there are a lot of people who make investment decisions with technical analysis, but now I know one that has a great track record. 
His name is John Navin, and he is in the book that you mentioned by Matt Schifrin. Um, the one great thing about John Navin, he made one great call in 2008 where uh, he basically took his market exposure down from uh, about 100% down to about 20%. So in 2008, during the crash, John Navin didn't lose any money. Now, if you don't lose money during a 50% crash, then you don't need to make a 100% return after the crash just to get back to even. So John's given people a much smoother ride than the average investor, although since the crash, he hasn't done as well in taking advantage of the opportunities the crash has offered. Now, when I talk to him about how he does it, since he is a true technician, he really doesn't know anything about what the companies do. He, he believes all the information you need to know is in the price. And I have to take his word for it, because it just goes against so much of what I personal, personally believe makes for a good investment. However, I, I can't argue with the results, and for that reason, I've made him a master, and there are times where I feel like he needs to be on the team, because what he does is rare, and very, very few other people have the track record he does in his style. So what kind of technical analysis does he use? Because there's lots of different technical analysis tools out there. Well, he's, he uses them all. Uh, but when I interview him and when I talk to him, I ask him, well, what indicator is giving you the best guidance right now? And uh, in the past few years, he's been watching the trade imbalance uh, and, the, and the value of the euro. Uh, he thinks that that the value of the stock market relative to the value of the dollar versus the euro is the key driver of what's of what's driving the market. And uh, so, as the dollar goes down, that's good for the stock market. As the euro the goes dollar, up, well, it can. There, it's good for different sectors of the stock market. So, by watching, by watching, basically the dollar versus the rest of the currencies, you can identify which sectors might do well and which ones won't. Right, so there are some countries, some industries that have most of their costs denominated in dollars. Right, so if your costs are denominated in dollars, and dollars are getting cheaper relative to the euro, then the companies that have their costs denominated in dollars are getting gaining a competitive advantage. Right, whereas when if your costs are denominated in other currencies, then when those get weaker, then those other companies get a competitive advantage. Uh, but you know, he doesn't really spend a lot of time looking at the companies. He just likes to have a diversified portfolio that are select of stocks that are lists that are selected by all the technical indicators that he follows. And uh, it's not quite a quantitative approach, although when you talk to him, it it can sound like it. But uh, the reason it's not, I don't consider it a quantitative approach, is because it's not supported by. Uh, by uh, econometric theory. What drives his thinking about what's important are purely technical factors. Trying to get in front, trying to figure out where the money is heading and getting there a little faster than they do. And then another of your masters is in the academic field. Normally wouldn't think of academics as being great stock pickers. What's different about the one you have? Well, his name is Kai Patanen. Um, 
he has an eight-year track record with us, an average annual return of 18.6% a year. Um, now, unlike most academics, Kai doesn't believe that the market is completely efficient. Most academics advise you that market's so efficient that you should just buy the index and be happy with the results that you get. But uh, Kai has uh, recently made, been made a professor at the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. And uh, he's had great access to literature or research that has been produced there, not by the financial economists, but by the accountants. And the insights that he has and that the accountants have brought to this are that you know, really what you want to buy in a, in a company is you want, to see, you want to buy a company that has solid assets and good growth prospects for cheap. You don't want to pay up for it. The problem is that usually the companies that look great from a financial statement purpose analysis are also priced high, right? So you've got to be willing to pay up, and those are called growth investors. The ones that are valued cheaply by financial accounting standards, you know, those are called value stocks, but often they're cheap and deserve to be cheap. What this research has done is, what these people have done is they've come up with a way to quantify how much of a risk there is that somebody who is reporting great earnings or great growth might be how much of a risk you have that, that those numbers might be fraudulent. They call it an F score. And so basically what he does is he runs these numbers across lots of companies and he's looking for companies that are growing well, have a low fraud score, and are priced below average with below average PE ratios. So he's buying things cheap that are growing rapidly where there's little lower risk of fraud. And over eight years, that's what has produced the 18.6% a year. Kai runs both a domestic portfolio and an international portfolio. They've both done about the same. Okay, great. We, we actually have to go, Ken. It's be very interesting stories we've had here. Uh, for yeah. people to find out more about Ken's Marketocracy, you can go to marketocracy.com. Uh, also, the phone number there is 877-462-4180. It's been fascinating learning about how you pick money managers and appreciate all you've done so much. Thanks for being on the show, Ken. Thanks, Jordan. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.